Hey there, happy Monday, happy Masterful Living. Yes, 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 we are coming down into the home stretch. Oh my goodness, we have three classes after today. Three classes. Wow. <laughs> it's amazing, it's amazing how the year goes by. Oh. And I'm so grateful to be with you each and every week. Isn't that yes, isn't that the truth of it? I'm so grateful that we get to be together and do this work together. Yes, I'm so inspired and inspired by the beautiful sharing in your community calls and in the Facebook group. So... Let us join together in grace and gratitude. We open our heart. We open our mind to the very highest possibility of love, revealing itself in and as the activity of our life. We are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to the flow of love, which is our true nature. We're grateful and thankful. We are grateful and thankful, grateful and thankful for our healing, for our expansion, for our clarity. Even grateful and thankful for the challenges that are supporting us in knowing the truth that sets us free. So grateful. Grateful to take this breath of love and gratitude and to tune into our heart and partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self, the I am that I am. Grateful to recognize the I am that I am is one with the I am presence of all beings everywhere. And so we're grateful to call upon the company of heaven, our ancestors, the Ascended Masters, and all that is holy. We are grateful and thankful to consciously recognize this is our time of healing. We dedicate ourselves to our healing right now. So grateful to consciously share the benefits of our healing with everyone. Grateful and thankful to accept our healing fully and completely and do, do it joyfully together. Grateful and thankful to be transparent together, knowing the truth together. We are grateful and thankful to joyfully allow our healing to be. We let it be. We do not question it, and we know that it's happening now, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. And I'm going to share with you one of my favorite violet flame meditations from Patricia Cota Robles' book. Uh, it's page 40 in her violet flame book. And I'll tell you why I love this meditation or this prayer so much. It, um, What I absolutely know I know it, I know it, I know it, is that, yes, we are healing past life karma. Yes, we are. This is what we're doing. The more sticky, intense, painful, 
the patterns of upset and seeming lack and limitation are, the more intense the karma, meaning the more we have invested in making it seem so real to us. And so it's our responsibility, it's our responsibility to be able to call forth the healing. Yes, indeed. And this is our option. Now, every sense of discord and disharmony that we experience in our life is the byproduct of our own choices and thinking. As you've heard me say many times, our beliefs are the negative karma. And our mind magnetizes into our awareness the thoughts that are congruent with our beliefs, like attracts like. So when the thoughts come into our mind that are upsetting to us and that divine alarm clock starts going off, the divine alarm clock of feeling mentally agitated, emotionally agitated, physically agitated, when those alarm bells are going off, that is our spirit giving us an opportunity to choose our healing, to choose again. So rather than affirm the past and make it seem real and validate it and reinvest in it, regurgitate it, re-experience it, we can call forth the healing. Now, the power of God is our power. There's only one power. There's no other power. There's only the power of God. And that is the power that we have because we are made in the spiritual image and likeness of God. Some people in the New Thought world do not like the phrase child of God because it implies somehow God wants removed or not God or separation. And I totally understand that. And yet, it is as though we are the children of God. And as it says in A Course in Miracles, the children of God inherit all that their parents have. So our parents are the mother, father, God, infinite creator, God. And we have already inherited, like the prodigal son, we have been given our inheritance already. And if we squander it in this world, like the prodigal son does, we go out and make merry and get enamored of the pleasures or the displeasures of life, because it's just as easy to get completely enamored with the displeasures of life and become obsessed with the fear-based thinking, right? If we do all of that, we squander our inheritance, we can at any moment wake up and go home and be a servant in our parents' house. And when we decide to go home and be a servant to the light that we are, the light that is our lineage, we will be welcomed the way the prodigal son was welcomed, with open arms, with full-on celebration. This is our story.
prodigal son is us. It doesn't matter how long we were squandering our inheritance, whether it took six months or 60 years, does not matter. It doesn't matter. Time is an illusion. It matters not at all. The only thing that's of any importance in this life is our willingness to stop squandering our attention and to place our attention in love, in investing in something real, of value, something that's true, something that's permanent and lasting. And we can at any moment completely dissolve and resolve permanently back to the root cause much or most of our karma, no matter how evil we feel we've been, no matter even if we had dedicated almost every moment until this one to the darkness, to activities that are malicious, self-serving, self-medicating, no matter how many hours and days of our lives we have spent in complaining and judging and criticizing, in choosing to withhold love and to punish other people with our emotions, no matter whether we've behaved just insanely trying to satisfy the purient desires of the body, of the flesh, no matter what we've ever done or not done, we can focus on our healing and give the heavy lifting to our higher self, which is our true identity, and it will be done. Our willingness is all that's required. The violet flame is this combination of divine will, which is the blue flame, which is the, the masculine father god, with the mother, the feminine god energy of divine love. Divine will and divine love, when we combine and we are authentically in our heart saying, yes, I choose love. Yes, I choose to align with divine will. And divine will is our will. There's no separate will because there is no separation. Divine will is that we would choose love, beauty, and perfection all of the time. So when we are aligned with divine will and divine love in our heart, then we're exploding that violet flame in our heart. And that violet flame is a purifying, recalibrating energetic that knows no limitation. It is a divine alchemy, and we all have it. It's in our very beingness. So in this prayer or meditation, whatever you'd like to call it by Patricia, we're breathing into our heart space the energy that we have invested negativity into in any time frame, in any part of space, any dimension, any lifetime, we're requalifying that energy. Because this is the thing. The energy that we experience in the 3D world, the energy, the vibrating molecules 
electrons, we qualify them with whatever energy that we're thinking with. So if I'm thinking pain, if I'm thinking negativity, if I'm thinking destruction, if I'm thinking lack, limitation, attack, suffering, I am requalifying the electrons in my world with that energy. If I choose to focus on love and compassion and generosity and kindness and freedom and beauty and truth and wisdom and wholeness, then I'm requalifying the electrons in my life with that energy. And the full power of God is with us. You know, some ministers will say that Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes by to feed the multitude by inspiring people to dig deep into their baskets and to share. And there's no doubt that that seems completely true. And yet I know that Jesus was an awakened being at that point and he had the ability to transform energy and bring forth whatever was needed as an ascended master can do and we have that same capability if we will but apply it so it begins by taking responsibility for the misuse of our thought and the mis use of energy by taking electrons and imbuing them with negativity, with thoughts and beliefs that have to do with sickness and lack and bitterness and complaining, jealousy, anger, resentment. We can requalify it all back to its natural state, peace, harmony, joy, freedom, clarity, purity. This is why the purity affirmations are so powerful because we're taking our I am presence and the energy of the I am and saying I am the purity of love. And that is the truth of our being. So it's recalibrating us and requalifying the misuse of our energy. So this meditation, you're literally breathing in your errors of the past, any this incarnation or any other, and consciously requalifying it, returning it to wholeness, to perfection, to beauty, to truth. It's a beautiful, prayerful meditation. So I'm inviting you to tune inward with me here. And we're taking this breath of love and gratitude together, so grateful and so thankful to consciously choose our healing and to share the benefits with everyone. We consciously partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self, the beloved I am that I am. And we call forth the company of heaven. We call forth the ascended masters and the archangels, the mighty Elohim, the builders of form. We call upon the Christ consciousness mentors, those who are mentoring us to a return to Christ consciousness.
those who are supporting us seen and unseen and we are joining together now in this collective healing through the beloved presence of God I am now blazing in my heart I invoke all the legions of light throughout infinity who are associated with the fifth dimensional frequencies of the violet flame and the twelve solar aspects of deity Blessed ones, as I invoke this divine light for myself, I simultaneously invoke it for my loved ones and all humanity. Blaze, blaze, blaze the full momentum of this sacred violet fire in, through, and around every electron of precious life energy I have ever misqualified in any time frame or dimension, both known and unknown. Transmute these patterns of imperfection, cause, core, effect, record, and memory into God's limitless perfection. Blaze, blaze, blaze the full momentum of this sacred violet fire in, through, and around every electron of precious life energy I have ever misqualified in any time frame or dimension, both known and unknown. Transmute these patterns of imperfection, cause, core, effect, record, and memory into God's limitless perfection. Breathe it in deeply. Breathing out. Perfection. I am now blazing the various fifth dimensional frequencies of the violet flame associated with the twelve solar aspects of deity through every thought, word, action, or feeling I've ever expressed in all dimensions of time and space that reflects anything less than the immaculate concept of my full divine potential. I am now blazing the various fifth dimensional frequencies of the violet flame associated with the 12 solar aspects of deity through every thought, word, action, or feeling I've ever expressed in all dimensions of time and space that reflects anything less than the immaculate concept of my full divine potential. Beloved I am, look into my life and see what yet remains to be balanced by me to any person, place, condition, or thing I may have wronged at any time, in any way, for any reason whatsoever. Reach your great loving hands of light into all the positively qualified energy I've released throughout my earthly sojourn. And draw forth a thousand times as much perfection as I've ever done wrong. Fashion from this substance of perfection a gift of love, whatever is necessary to balance every debt I've created which still remains unpaid to any part of life. 
Beloved, I am. Look into my life and see what yet remains to be balanced by me to any person, place, condition, or thing I may have wronged at any time, in any way, for any reason whatsoever. Reach your great loving hands of light into all the positively qualified energy I've released throughout my earthly sojourn and draw forth a thousand times as much perfection as I've ever done wrong. Fashion from the substance of perfection, the gift of love, whatever is necessary to balance every debt I've created, which still remains unpaid to any part of life. Beloved I am, I ask you to forgive every person, place, condition, or thing which may have wronged me in any way and balance all debts owed to me by life everywhere. Beloved I am, I ask you to forgive every person, place, condition, or thing which may have wronged me in any way and balance all debts owed to me by life everywhere. I accept this done through the power of God I am. And so it is, beloved I am, beloved I am, beloved I am. And then on page 42, I am a force of the violet fire. I am a force of the violet fire more powerful than any human miscreation. I am inbreathing the fifth dimensional violet flame of limitless transmutation into my heart center. And I breathe it out through my heart chakra into the core of every person, place, condition, or thing in my life, conscious or unconscious, past or present, through obvious choice or karmic liability. As this sacred fire floods the earth, the violet flame transmutes every electron of precious life energy that conflicts with the perfection within the twelve solar aspects of deity. The violet fire is loving every point of my universe free. I am free. I am free. I am eternally free. And the joy of forgiveness. I am the joy of forgiveness. I am flooding my being in every single etheric record since the beginning of time with the joyful experience of divine forgiveness. In forgiving, I let go of all the effects of misused energy impinging on my life and the lives of all humanity. I let go of the ignorance, confusion, and pain of this world. I now know I have come to love life free, and so I shall, and so I am. This is the heart center of my existence, the joy of forgiving life as it enters my awareness. From this moment forth, I am setting all life free into a higher vibration with the gift of forgiveness that my Father, Mother, God have given me so freely into my keeping. 
I am a force of the violet fire of forgiveness. I am the joy of forgiveness. I am the joy of forgiveness. I am the forgiveness. I am the joy of forgiveness. Breathing in to our heart center, into that violet flame center in our heart. Breathing out the violet flame into the world. We're consciously choosing to be that point of light, that point of recalibration. Grateful and thankful to consciously choose to be that healing presence in our own life, saying yes to it, yes to the unlimited, unprecedented healing power of God. With grace and gratitude, we give thanks. We allow the healing and we let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Hmm. Yes. So helpful to have these tools at this time and to make use of them. All right. I'd like to also say that uh, your community calls are just so beautiful. Beautiful to hear you practicing deeply together and being authentic and transparent. And yeah, quite beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. And you know, here's a, an assignment for you. I know that in the um, community call this last week, Rob had uh, asked for prayers around his own uh, awareness, which is always a beautiful prayer to make. And it's powerful to really tune into the awareness of our impact and what we're doing and sharing. So for those of you who do share in class or in the community call, there's great value sometimes in going back and listening with love and with compassion, with objectivity to your own sharing and to listen and allow the Holy Spirit to teach you as you listen. And... Uh, you will you will receive insight and guidance. So any questions about what I shared about the violet flame? Any questions about working with the violet flame? Any questions about that at all? Star 2 to raise your hand or you can type in a question online.
All right. So we've recently had these events in the news of terrorism and attack. And when what the teaching of A Course in Miracles is, is that when we defend ourselves, then we are affirming that there is an attack. We're validating the attack. We're making it real. And in our defenselessness, is where our safety lies, our defenselessness. There's nothing for us to defend. And if we're defending something, we're validating it and making it real. So our safety lies in understanding that what's real is the Christ light within us. And the situations and circumstances of our life are there to show us what we're thinking, what we've been thinking. Our situations and circumstances of our life, they show us our karma. So the, one of the most common beliefs in this world is that we're upset because of what's going on in the world, whether it's going on in our physical body or it's going on in our household, or in our workplace, or in our neighborhood, or wherever it is, in the outer, that's what most people think they're upset by. Of course, Miracles tells us, I'm never upset for the reason I think. I'm never upset by what's happening in the world. I'm upset because of what I'm thinking. And what I'm thinking is manifesting and demonstrating as my experience in the world. So there's collective creation, like weather and war and things like that. And then there's the, the well, of course, the miracles wouldn't call it creation, we'd call it making. Uh, and then there's what we make in our relationships, we make in our physical body, we make in our world with our thinking, with our beliefs. And this is why being able to partner up with the Holy Spirit self and to work in this way of handing it over is so incredibly powerful. The, the benefits of practicing non-judgment and being truly dedicated to it are freedom, freedom in your mind, freedom in your heart, uh, that you have virtually no more irritation, no more frustration, no more sense of lack and limitation. Experience of lack and limitation and frustration and irritation all comes from the thoughts we choose to think. And this is why I teach about the divine alarm clock, that when there's an upset, it's our opportunity to heal the meaning that we have made of things in the past that has coagulated into our belief system, which is now magnetizing into our awareness the thoughts that we're thinking. So the upset is so helpful. It's so helpful if we can, in that very moment, decide, ah, this is the time of my healing.
The more consistent you are with that practice, the more quickly you'll see results. That's for sure. So, you know you've heard me say that the judger always feels judged, the attacker always feels attacked, and the lover always feels beloved. So when we think an attack thought, whether it's directed at ourselves or someone else, it doesn't even matter because there is only one. When we are judging, when we are attacking, when we are complaining, all complaints and judgments and attack thoughts, they're all similar vibration. Belief in separation. Belief in limitation. Right then, we are literally beginning that at that choice point of beginning to misqualify electrons to show up as lack, limitation, attack, condemnation, judgment, pain, and suffering. At that very moment, when we move into that kind of thinking, that's when the misqualification begins. That's why five minutes of prayer in the morning, followed by 15 hours of complaining, a person doesn't make any headway. But you know what? The power of prayer and loving thoughts and willingness to know the oneness of all life is so powerful that literally five minutes can balance out many hours of destructive thinking. That's how powerful the positive connection with love is. So if you could think of an attack thought like an arrow, or a boomerang, arrow is fine, that you're sending out into the world. Or you could think of it like if the world, the one mind, is a body of water, and your attack thought is a bucket of poison. You're pouring that poison into the water that you're drinking. You're pouring that poison into the world in which you live, the air that you breathe. So we see these examples of people who are literally polluting the oceans, the rivers, the streams, and the air, even though their children are inheriting it, even though they are themselves experiencing those pollutions, they still do it anyway. It's a way of showing us what we all do when we give ourselves permission to think attack thoughts, think thoughts of lack and limitation. We are exactly the same as the people who run a corporation that feels justified in, doc in, in dumping toxic waste into a river where People are eating the fish from that river and the wildlife are dying from the toxicity. We're the same when we're thinking thoughts of negativity. 
And the way the ego works is the ego will never take responsibility. It, it might accept blame, but it will never take responsibility for what what's happening. But you see, the way out is responsibility because responsibility is an act of love. It's an act of kindness to say, ah, I'm the one who misqualified this energy and I am the one who can requalify it back into love and I choose to do so now. It's powerful. It's so powerful. So when we send attack thoughts out into the world, we are immediately going to feel vulnerable. In my defenselessness, my safety lies. If I'm an attacker, I will never feel safe, ever, ever, ever. I am sacrificing peace of mind when I complain, when I criticize, when I judge. And we can say, oh, but oh my God, Jennifer, they stole my car. They killed my dog. They are making a sawing noise right outside my window 40 hours a week. Come on. How can I remain peaceful in the midst of these things? Well, of course, the miracles tells us everything works together for our good. Everything. So our willingness to see the good in it is how we're able to see the good in it. For one person, the incessant sawing right outside the window might be the very thing that that person needs to finally be vigilant over their mind. I know for me, I got into a situation where I had such an attachment, such an attachment to uh, a romantic partner in my life that when it wasn't going well, not going the way I wanted it to go, I just went into attack mode, attack, 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 and I was compulsively attacking in my mind, and I just felt like I couldn't stop. It was incessant, and it was so distressing to be in attack mode all the time. It showed me how easy it was for me to just completely become the aggressive attacker. And it was very distressing. And trying to interrupt that pattern, which I knew was karmic, was just, it was exhausting. It was so demanding. But I saw fairly early on that my commitment to being loving was pretty thin. And I was actually glad to see it. Initially, I was horrified, but then I was glad to see it because I knew, ah, 
This is the thing that it's going to take for me to be vigilant. This is what it's going to take. It's going to take this relationship, which means so much to me, and putting it in jeopardy. This is a thing. So I made the commitment to make that, have that holy relationship. with this man and I was willing so willing and it it worked me to a nub <laughs> it really did but it was also the strengthening of my mind so an untrained mind can accomplish nothing of course in miracles tells us and when I read that I thought and a trained mind can accomplish that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in having that mind. That mind is my mind, and I will reveal it through my willingness to be devoted, to be dedicated. So you see, when we're willing to be loving and compassionate, the lover always feels beloved, then we feel what is natural in this world that everything is here to support us and all things work together for our good when we stop requalifying energy with our negative thinking we can feel yes everything is here to support me oh my god it was true all along but as long as we're misqualifying the use of our energy with negativity and creating distress and disharmony and mishaps in our life, especially intentionally, then what we're going to feel day in and day out is that life is exhausting, is very hard, is very confusing. I can't seem to get ahead no matter what I do. As long as I keep thinking attack thoughts, those are going to be my constant thoughts. And I am going to feel that life is not safe, it's not friendly, that life does not love me. And nothing could be further from the truth. The only reason I would ever think that or feel that is because that is what I am pouring into the river. So if I'm drinking from the river and it's making me sick it's because I am pouring the poison in there so in this journey of awakening we're reclaiming our ascended mastership our Christedness in doing that once we give up all negative thinking and we ascend or accept the atonement for ourselves as uh, Course in Miracles says, we don't ever make any mistakes again. We don't ever misqualify energy anymore. We're always making choices from love and beauty and truth and wisdom and clarity and creativity, wholeness and harmony. But as long as we're feeling righteous in our complaining and in our attack thoughts, we're not going to feel like life is for us and with us and that all things work together for our good, even though it's true.
at the time when I was so challenged in that relationship, I only was able to see how it was perfectly planned for my good because I knew I had been praying to remember my Christ in this. And there was no way I could remember my Christ in this and complain about my sweetheart. Just no way. You can't have those two thoughts simultaneously. And you can't balance back and forth between them. So let us be the happy learner. Let us see that being loving to someone else is being loving to myself. And think about this. Sometimes it seems like doing the loving thing for someone else doesn't feel right, doesn't feel good. So it might be a situation where somebody else would like me to go somewhere or do something with them and I don't feel like it. Do I go with them to make them happy? Is that the loving choice? Or do I stay home and do what feels right for me? So this is a question I'd like to open for discussion. Situations, and you can think of other situations where it seems like doing the loving thing for yourself is doing the unloving thing for the other person, or vice versa. So I'm wondering if anybody has a situation like this, real-life situation, that they would be willing to bring into discussion. Star two to raise your hand. Anybody have a situation where somebody is asking them to do something or not do something and they don't feel like complying and there's a question of, hmm, how can I be loving with them, them and be loving with myself when we have different needs? Come on, everybody has this situation all the time. <laughs> Start to, to raise your hand if you can think of one. Okay, gosh. Hi, you're up late. Uh, yeah, I set my alarm to get out for the glass. Um, yeah, good for you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I thought um, a simple example was at work. When I first started working, um, I was being asked to uh, work a lot more hours than what my contract was. My contract was for 16 hours. And then, I, and the way my boss would um, invite me to work, he'd say things like, "You know, I'm I'm in big trouble." You know, <laughs> he'd say on the phone, 
I, you know, I need your help. And when he said those words, I'd feel not obliged, but I'd feel, okay, so, so I'll help. But then there came a point when I thought, well, hold on a minute, this this isn't working for me because then I wasn't having enough, it felt like I didn't have enough time in the rest of the week to do the things that I really wanted to, to meet my needs. So I went into work and I had the conversation that I wanted to just work um, two days a week and that I was uh, unavailable uh, for the rest of the time. And it, it took it took some time to settle into that decision, but once I did, um, it's worked out really well for me. The last couple of weeks, I've only been working two days a week, and he also people at work also know now that you know that that's all that I I, I can do for them. You know, I work my very best whilst I'm there, uh, but that's as much as I feel that I can offer them. So I don't know if that quite meets the criteria, but that's what crossed my mind when you asked the question. Yeah, that that's a great example. So um, it's so how was it that his actually let me start with this. So he I I hear I, I love that you included this, Akash, that he would come to you and he would say, I'm in big trouble. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so why do you think he would say that? Well, this is, at first, I just thought, you know, that, that when, he, when he first said that to me, it was like a, kind of like a hook. And then I actually remember talking to my friend Anna about it. I said, you know, my boss was telling me he's in big trouble, but... You know what? He's not in big trouble. He's, you know, his place isn't burning down or anything. He's, he's just not managed to organise the shift for, for the workers. So I kind of spotted that one and saw how I was getting hooked in by that. And um, my friend uh, Anna said this was practiced rehearsing with me, saying, "Sorry, I'm unavailable." And it, for for a few weeks, I found it difficult to to say, sorry, I'm unavailable, until I really decided that, well, another factor was that it wasn't working out financially for me that way, because as much, although I've given up uh, the main benefit that I was claiming, um, I'm still claiming housing benefit, and working the extra hours, uh, I would actually lose my housing benefit, so that was uh, one of the other factors that helped me decide. Um, but, but, yeah, so... Those are the other facets of the situation. So, yeah, he's saying I'm in big trouble to try and hook you, like you said. Hmm. And so that's codependency, that's manipulation. And, uh, I mean, this is so common, right? It's so common. I I know one of the... the, um, things that I learned and I'm pretty sure I learned it from my dad and that and I I noticed it when um I was staying with my parents when my mom was really sick and my dad was just he was practically out of his mind with grief but he would he would walk around the house with a heavy foot walking fast like 
get out of my way. Things are important. I need to keep moving here. And um, he would do this a lot. He would make this sound. This big sigh. All day long. And I discovered that uh, when I am around other people and I feel like there's a lot to do and nobody is helping me and it's time for me to ask for help, I hear myself making that same sound. (laughs) (sighs) Like somehow that will be the alert that people will go, oh, do you need some help? (laughs) Um, You know, so this, we have... Uh, humanity has many different kinds of hooks for people. Um, and so it's telling you he's in big trouble. He's, he thinks, oh, now you're going to help him. That mm. Otherwise, you might not wish to help him. And mm. that you would be willing to sacrifice your own happiness to help him. But no one's sacrifice of their happiness helps anyone else because – it's it would just be a band aid for a minute for him for one day mm. right yeah it wouldn't actually solve any of his challenges no he, he he what the i mean there's things from my side but from his side you know as the manager you know he needs to work out a rotor that works for everybody you know that that that's the task in hand and right, i mean exactly. i I I said that um, you know I would be willing to do nights if that helped him, but I held my ground and said I'm sorry, but I can only do you know two shifts a week. So he's taken that on board, and um, last couple of weeks I've I've just worked day shifts, but the, the week coming up I'm going to be working uh, Saturday daytime and Sunday night. But that's okay by me, you know I, I I'm happy to help you know within the contracted hours, but but that's it. So, um, yeah. So, and that and that your decision not to be moved by his attempts to coerce you with his suffering uh, is helping you to love yourself. Yeah. And then you come to work in a field of love, which brings him benefit. Yeah. It's really the best way you can be supportive to him is to love yourself. Yes. Yeah, that's that's a great example. Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So I am going to uh, mute you out. And Ron is raising his hand here. So I'm going to unmute you, Ron. Hey there. So I guess what came to mind, what came to mind for me is um, my mom, she's a, She's about 85 years old, lives about 70 miles away. Uh, she's uh, My dad passed about six, seven years ago. She remarried a couple of years ago to a great guy. But 
mom kind of likes to be able to marshal people, uh, you know, to to the house, uh, and she has a very specific lifestyle, uh, somewhat um, militant vegetarian and uh, a few things like that, and uh, for years really never gave much regard to if she was having inviting people over what they would like to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, or what was going on with them was more about, uh, you know, her, uh, you know, uh, her crusade kind of sort of. And it was pretty clear uh, pretty early on that my family, uh, my wife and kids, just, you know, it was a very negative experience. Um, so uh, I guess my, uh, my situation uh, is probably starting about seven, eight years ago. You know, we would invite uh, her. Uh, and her husband and the rest of the family down to our place uh, for special events and, and things and uh, and such. And go up there at least once a year, uh, but uh, otherwise uh, just uh, kindly and politely say no. Mm. Um, so that was clearly something she did not prefer. Right. Um, but it was something I think it was a loving thing to do. Right. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes, and this is one of the things uh, particularly I've had to learn as a teacher. And we, if you're a parent, people, uh, you're married. So people who are in intimate relationship with other people, uh, one of the things that we can learn that brings tremendous benefit is to recognize when we can withdraw support from people who are creating negativity. So um, uh, it sounds like the situation with your mom was you were going to visit there with your family and it was an unhappy experience. And so while she might have been egotistically pleased that you were coming to her house and doing it her way, she was alienating people. And that's yeah. not helpful to her to support her in that. But, you know, yeah. there are many situations in many families where people would just say, suck it up, we're going to grandma's. Yeah. You know, nobody likes it, but we're doing it anyway. And then the, the grandma has no motivation to become more loving. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. Yep. All right. Yeah, thank you very much, Ron. Sure, my pleasure. Mm-hmm. And we've got Rob raising his hand here, so I'm going to unmute you, Rob. <coughs> Apparently you're all choked up about what I'm going to say. But uh, seriously. So, so many moons ago, many months ago, yeah, I was talking about my friend Mark. Um, and mm-hmm. my friend Todd... And my friend Mark has has you know, has similar issues with Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd doesn't e- doesn't doesn't even doesn't even talk to talk to him anymore. But um, I've decided to just talk to him on a more limited basis. We get together a couple of times a year, and and I can and I can and I can handle that. Mm-hmm. So you know, but. But yo, Mark does sometimes guilt trips and this and that and the other thing, and you know he, you know he, he says and does things to, uh, um, you know, 
forward to get some sort of response out of people, but um, the, the reason why he's not my roommate anymore was because he was just, every, everything was just too one-sided, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's either his way or the highway, and and I'm like, you know, there, there are, I, he doesn't like constructive, he doesn't like to hear negative things. He's, he's, he doesn't have like a, like, he has a, like a limited point of view in, as in this, you know, if it's not my way, it's too bad. So, uh-huh. so when I've limited my contact with him, you know, um, things have gotten, things, things have gotten better. Nice. Yeah, so, good example. Right. Super. Yeah. Thank, thank you for your constant, you know, input on, you know, giving things to the Holy Spirit and et cetera, et cetera, because, you know, that's the way we learn. You know, it's like I, I had to when I, I had to reach. Uh, I went out with somebody yesterday who, who was doing good. For a couple of months, yeah, he was a trainee and he was doing great. And last month wasn't wasn't that great, so I had to so I had to tell him a couple of different alternatives on on how to say things. So it's just like I I know I I now know know how to how to how to talk to Mark so that I can you know, have my own boundaries and. Uh, um, go from there, and it's the same thing with that guy. I had to tell him how to rephrase things so that he can get a better a better response when he talks to you know to homeowners about going solar. Yes, so. great. Great. So. Yeah. Good for you, Rob. Great. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually I'm gonna get together with him. Uh, what is it? Actually, it's gonna be it's it's. It's going to be twice in one week, which is unusual, uh, next week. But um, that will be, that will be, I'll have to, you, I, uh, yeah, I'm getting together with him twice next week, which is unusual. But, uh, yeah, both times they're with other people. So I find that when I'm with other people and him, it. It, the 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 experience is is better than than when it's a one on one situation, for lack of a better description. So. Okay, why do you think that is? Because um, <clears throat> there's other people. He, he sometimes the way he creates conversation is is uh, he he talks about several things. I'll add I'll add. All at the same time, when you're trying to organize your organize what he said in 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 in, in the mind, but when you're talking about about one thing, so you know, and you get and you get off on a tangent. Sometimes it, the tangent goes, you know, way off, you know, way off the subject, and you never and you never get 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 to the other things. Or sometimes you don't want even. Sometimes I don't. I don't even want to deal with the other things because I know they're yo. My response is not going to be a loving thing. So, so by having another 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 person there, we can sort of guide the conversation to something else. Like for example, my friend Tim, 
Yeah, we get a lot, we get together a few times a year, and that's that's pretty good. And he's uh, we were supposed to be be have be going to a Clippers game, like a, a bunch of the people on my solar team, and only one guy wanted, and only two guys wanted to go, and one guy was bringing like a bunch of his friends. So one coworker of mine, you know, de- decided decided to to go. So. And these two guys are going to get 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 along pretty good because I can because I know their personalities. So I think it's just God's way of saying, "Hey, let's you know, let's introduce Mark to somebody that you know he can get along with." Because I think Mark and Matt, the guy that I just you know went out with yesterday and retrained, um, they they. They're really into current events and you know all that sort of stuff. So I think they're going to get 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 along re- really good. So it's just the Holy Spirit, how should I say, arranging things. So um, so that this situation is more I don't know the word to come that that comes to mind is palatable. <coughs> so. Mhm. Yeah. Well, it uh, it makes sense that when there's a gathering uh, mm-hmm. that there's more hearts open to love and people mm-hmm. have a tendency mm-hmm. sometimes to be more loving. Yeah. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. All right. So uh, let's see here. What I absolutely know is that the highest and best for anyone is the highest and best for everyone. And if we're willing, we can always look in our heart and see, is this really the highest and best for everyone? I know when I was a kid, I used to feel guilty uh, because I would do things like covet the last brownie. Or things that you know many kids do, like oh, I want I want that extra big piece of pie and um, things like that. There's a, a kind of a selfishness that can break out. It's that um, all related to the body and experiencing pleasure, and it can make us behave in ways that are selfish. And some people are um, have very narcissistic tendencies where they just care mostly about themselves and they're not that aware of other people. And then they're creating uh, through that journey of not really noticing other people or thinking about other people that much. They're creating discord and disharmony unknowingly. And so this is why you hear me say all the time that awareness is curative. Awareness is curative. Because the more we are aware of the repercussions of our choices, our actions, our words, our thoughts, the more opportunity we can have to correct them. And the the egotistical, immature person will take offense rather than see the opportunity to be a
Okay. Oh, my. Such a journey sometimes. All right, I'm back. And better than ever. Uh, I'm just going to continue on with my cell phone. And I'll put my headset on here. So when there's that sense of making someone else happy is going to make me unhappy, the ego is definitely involved. And then, as I say again and again and again, don't try to manage it. Don't try to figure it out. That's not going to be helpful because if you're trying to manage it and you're trying to figure it out, what you're actually doing is you're putting the ego personality in charge. If you put the ego personality in charge, is that really going to help you? No. No, it's not. You might be able to make a decision or a choice, but you're probably not going to make the highest and best decision or choice. So the making the highest and best decision or choice, that's where the real healing is. And so going for that is really what we are interested in doing. And doing making that choice is just about invoking the Holy Spirit. And it's if you're really willing in making the highest and best choice versus making the egotistical choice, then invoking the higher Holy Spirit itself will really it will put you right on the right track. It really will. Because you're going to get out of judgment and opinion. And you're going to see the most loving choice. And you're going to know it's the right choice. And there's such a great feeling when that happens. You know, it really is. One of the things that, going back to defenselessness, when we are loving, then there is, it's like there's a protective bubble around us when we're truly authentically loving. When we are grasping, needing, wanting, craving, and when we're giving to get, that protective bubble isn't there. Love is our protector. So if you're feeling afraid, it's because you've been choosing unloving thoughts, words, and actions. And making loving choices in thoughts and words and actions and prayers and giving it up and giving it over, that's going to lead to your feeling safe again. In my defenselessness, my safety life, if I'm making loving choices, there's never anything to defend. Never anything to defend. You know, sometimes people get mad at me for different things, but if I know I made loving choices or the choice that I made maybe didn't take someone into consideration, but I wasn't attempting to cut them out or hurt them or disrespect them, then I I don't have any need or reason to feel guilty or ashamed or bad or wrong, no matter how angry or how upset someone is with me for the choice that I made. And there are times when I can say, oh, I really am sorry. I apologize that my choice came off the way it did. That was not my intention, not my intention at all. 
And when people do things that feel offensive, look into your heart and ask yourself, is is there intention to attack me? Is there intention to hurt me? And if it is, sometimes it is, if that's their intention, it's a cry for love. And so instead of being offended or hurt, you could go to them and say, hey, when this happened, it felt really unloving. Are you okay? What's really going on with you? Because that's what I would like anybody to do if they perceive me to be unloving. Hey, what's really going on, Jennifer? I know that you're usually a very loving person. What happened here? Because it seems like this was unloving. Deborah's raising her hand here. Hey, Deborah. Hey, hi. Hi. I I think you just partially answered my question because I've <clears throat> spoken about my sister and our relationship before and and um, shared, I think, how at one Easter she was so forceful with insisting to read scripture and a prayer and I mean, it was a pushing energy at the time and, you know, everybody went with it, but it was not comfortable for everybody else at the table. And this Thanksgiving, I was just very conscious of wondering what was going to happen and just being loving ahead of time and trying to be with an open heart at the table. And she did the same thing again. And I realized that... um, It didn't affect me at all like it had before. It still mm. felt pushy with from her space, but I realized, I, I got an insight as she was doing it, and I realized she's just trying to find her voice and express her voice. Uh-huh. Uh, and... And I totally get that because I know how long I've worked on it and she's really just started. And uh, and then I went today and I on my way to work I dropped off a poinsettia and uh, she didn't seem too excited. We always had them at Christmas and I just thought maybe it would be something to for us to share together as a Christmas uh you know, event ritual or whatever, gift, because we always had them in our family when we were growing up. And <clears throat> so I said, do you like poinsettias? When I kind of saw her response and she said, no, not really. And she said something besides we always got got them from church. And I said, well, sometimes we got, dad got them from, as gifts from people. Anyway, um, She took it, and I just kind of let it go, and I didn't have a lot of time to spend with her. But on the way toward the door, I said, 
something because I forgot what she was talking about, but I said, how are you? And she said, oh, I'm good. God is good. God loves me. And I, <laughs> that's kind of what she does. And But it doesn't feel authentic always. And um, so I said, well, yeah, did you just figure that out now? Are you just figuring that out now? Just to try and have a conversation with her because she's moved so far right. Um, the church that she goes to that I grew up in is actually talking about pulling out of the conference. <clears throat> and so anyway, she's, she said, well, it's just, no, it's, you know, she didn't act like it was something new. And I said, okay. And I said, so what's happening at church? Because I hear from other people what's happening, but she never shares anything. And I said, are, are they going to stay in the conference? And she said, we don't know yet. And I said, so what are your thoughts on it? And she said, um, I don't want us to. <clears throat> and she said, there's a small group of us that don't want us in the conference and another small group that's completely fine with it and then a bunch of people in the middle. And so it was just amazing because of the insight that I had at Thanksgiving, but then also just that we I was able to have a conversation with her and not get hooked and not be reactive myself and... Yet, when you spoke of earlier the people that are on the end of fear, uh, as an example, we can go to fear or we can, I forgot what the other end was, but I thought of my sister because it's just, the church has become so conservative. I'm, and I've said to other friends, she's in such a space of fear because of her reactions with people and, and telling her that they're going to hell and crazy stuff. But anyway, our stuff that's just so different than how we were raised, I should say. And not that we have to be like that, but I at least know where she, she was able to express with me, you know, where she's at. And I left and I was driving to work and I thought, you know, I don't just text her and say, you know, if you don't really want that poinsettia, I'm happy for you to not have it. And I haven't done that because then I was at work and I was off to the races. But I just, how do you, what other suggestions do you have? I mean, I'm no longer sort of panicked about how can she be so right wing. You know, it's where she needs to be. I get that. Well, to have no judgment of her, really, to have zero judgment of her. And to, this is one of the most challenging things, Deborah, is to know that everybody is on their perfect journey. And, look, she's one with you. She's part of you. She's expressing thoughts that it bothers you. But why does it bother you? Because you think it should be different. Well, I just, different. I, I'm accepting her where she's at, and I'm just so shocked that <clears throat> we, I mean, we just, 
the church when we grew up in it was not that conservative. Right. And it's so such a shock to me that she has gone that direction, and yet I can trust that she's where she needs to be. I think my dad died in 97 and my mom died in 2011, and I think it's taken that many years after my dad died and five, four years after my mom died for her to begin to even express her beliefs. And that's, like, huge. So I'm grateful that she's doing it. I'm just... shocked that she's not more accepting. Well, depends And it on is what it is. And I, I get yeah. the fact that I can now just love her for where she's at, even though I'm not in contact. I mean, and I do it by not being in contact with her as much because we don't have much um, in common in the world right now. Um and so there, there's no conversation there usually unless I make it. And so for her to actually share something has been wonderful. Yeah. Yep. Well, here's the thing is she's helping you to identify the places in your mind where you're thinking thoughts of lack and limitation. Literally, she's helping you to highlight those. And she's on her own journey. And one of the things that my sense of it is with um, religion and even with Course in Miracles is that, because there are definitely people with A Course in Miracles who are not very compassionate. You know, people will say things like, um, gosh, you know, I'm really grieving. My spouse died. My house burned down and they're like well it's just an illusion what? oh my goodness <laughs> yeah that's, that's, that's a pretty common thing for some people to yeah of course medical students to just respond with well you know can't let it bother you it's just an illusion um, and that's that's not what this world is about It yes this world is an illusion and we can have compassion for each other in the journey that we're on. And sometimes when it comes to uh, religion and philosophy, which Course in Miracles is philosophy to me, not religion, though other people might disagree. I'm okay with that. And um, sometimes with religion, the more rules there are, the more rigid it is, the more judgmental it is and unforgiving it is, the more people like it because then they feel like it's very cut and dry or black and white or it's very restrictive. And so they can participate in it and they know there are no gray areas. This is acceptable. Yeah. It, it's kind of like the animal that, uh, you know, like uh, some people have dogs where they, they crate the dogs at night, put them in a cage, mm-hmm. uh, and the dogs feel safer that way. And you can, everybody can look at their own life and just see 
have they created lots of limitations in order to make themselves feel safer? Um, I know when I was uh, in the graduate screenwriting program at USC Film School, the uh, one of the first assignments we had um, had ex- first writing assignments had a very 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 uh, limited parameters of what we could do, and it was so easy to write in very narrow parameters. So easy. You would think, oh, it's so much restriction, it's going to be hard. No, it's very easy. But if you say, just write anything, oh, my. Now anything is possible. A lot of people, the idea that anything could be possible in their life, in their relationship, in their finances, in their healing, what? Yes, because I have worked with people as a counselor and said, okay, what would you like to create in your life and they'll look at me and say I don't understand what you mean by that I say well you have unlimited possibility what would you like to create in your life and they just look at me and they think for a minute and then they say I really I'm sorry I don't understand what you're asking me say what would you like to bring forth in your life how can I support you and bring forth what you'd like in your life and they're like I I I don't know. I don't know. Well, that that I can actually relate from a people yeah. say, well, what makes you happy? And I don't I don't know anymore. You know, yeah. Everything that's happened, so I can relate to that. I'll, although I do believe anything is possible in a some part of me, but so that's interesting. Yeah, so sometimes people, they try on very, very restrictive religions, organizations, communities, relationships. It's it's something they're experimenting with. They will learn from it. And what else could they learn other than it's what they need to feel safe, which given the world these days, I can see why people have, so many people have, gone that way because people don't feel safe. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But what else comes from being that restrictive? I guess a discipline of being restrictive. It's sort of a discipline of sorts. Yes, exactly. And some people feel like they're crazy. They're They're all over the place. They have, we could call it wanton desire. Uh, and being uh, placed into all kinds of restriction can really help them to focus their mind and their energy. It's one of the reasons why some people, of course not everyone, but some people are very attracted to um, spiritual practices or religious practices that are very demanding. Um, And you can think of Buddha. Buddha was that way. He went from unlimited, no restrictions to severe, just incredibly severe restrictions, exploring what would bring him to a realization of himself as God and as the Christ because 
the Christ was born before Buddha was born. <laughs> but um and and some people are attracted to the military for reasons like that or militaristic organizations where uh, people wear the same uniform and the same clothes. And we see so many movies, television shows, all kinds of things for uh, plays for as long as people made plays where uh, people feel more comfortable when everybody wears the same kind of attire and speaks the same kind of way. And if someone comes into that situation who is different, what? They upset the apple cart. What? What do you mean you can express yourself individually and have your own way? What? No. Some people are very attracted to that individualistic expression, and some people are completely frightened and terrified by it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you, too. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, I know we're way over time here. I'm just going to, I'd like to share a few more things and then I'm going to share a song. So, and we'll go over this more next week too. Part of what I would like to share is that your intuition, your creativity, and your ability to receive and follow divine guidance is very, very much about whether or not you're in tune with your higher self, very much about that, or whether or not you're still really focused on the ego. So every place you can during your day where you notice your attention is drawn to what you don't like or what you don't want and to essentially thoughts that are attacking or complaining. Do everything you can to pull your awareness to the higher self and say, I'm not interested in focusing on the darkness anymore. I'm only interested in focusing on the light. Help me now. Help me now. The more consistent you are, the more you will see results. You're never a victim. No matter how dark you might feel you are or that there is darkness in you, there is not. There is no darkness in you. That is a lie. So turn it over as quick as you can to the very light of your being for your healing and you will begin to experience miraculous results. So if you find yourself in a situation that's very challenging and you find yourself turning over the darkness to the light of your being a hundred times a day, that is a gift that you're being given because you will build momentum. Every time you choose the light, you build momentum. You build momentum. 
in your defenselessness, your safety lies. If you're turning it over to the light all the time, invoking the vile claim, doing ho'oponopono, taking a stand in love, you will see miraculous results. It might take you 40 days of being super consistent. And that just means that your higher self has recognized that this is what you require to build momentum, for you to break through your lack of belief in your higher self and your complete belief in the ego. It's going to take whatever it takes. For me, it was so intense, so intense. And it's motivated me to share what I share and teach what I teach. And I absolutely know that anyone can build momentum. The more you turn the darkness over to the light of your being, the more quickly you will start to have miraculous healing. So really become focused every time there's a little bit of disharmony or discordancy. Don't stand for it. Don't invest in it anymore. Yes, it requires vigilance requires being rigorous, it requires paying attention, being focused, and you will have at least 100 opportunities a day. And that's a good thing because it really is amazing what can be done. You will start to experience miracles beyond miracles and you will then know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a power in you that is so great and it is definitely a power that is greater than this world, that's for sure. This world has no power. All right, so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to play a song. Let's take that breath of love and gratitude and be so grateful and so thankful that we haven't given up. So grateful and so thankful that the love of God is all that we are and all that there is. So grateful and so thankful to claim our healing now. So grateful and so thankful to choose to love ourselves free, that we're worth it. We are born to live a miraculous life and that's what we're choosing In grace and gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone and we joyfully let it be. We know it's done, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. The song I'm going to play, I don't know who wrote it, but it's a beautiful song sung by one of my favorite singers, Dean Martin. Classic. Classic. And it's called Welcome to My World. And when I hear this song... I feel like Dean Martin is embodying the voice of the Holy Spirit, my higher self, singing to me. And I hope you feel the same way. Welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. Won't you come on in Miracles I guess 
still happen now and then. Step into my heart and leave your cares behind. Welcome to my world. Built with you in mind. Knock and the door will open. Seek and you will find. Ask and you'll be given the key. Welcome to my world. Welcome to my world.